Well, I was just saying to our guest before we began recording that this is going to be one of the most interesting, I think anyway, career trajectories we've yet seen on the OHL podcast. And that includes the doctor we just had on uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, the OHL podcast is, of course, presented by Matt Smith. Goaltending for a personal and individualized approach to goaltending. Train where elite goaltenders are created. Check them out online at mattsmithgoaltending.com. Cameron Lazat, our guest on the podcast this week. First and foremost, thank you very much for making time in your day to chat with us. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. When we think of Cameron Lazat in the Ontario Hockey League, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Some of the first pages that come up are big body checks or hockey fights, you know, and, and the t- transition to where you are today is incredible. But let's start on the hockey side and even take it back because I wonder if those roots in, in the Nickel City in Sudbury are where that uh, kind of rough and tumble ho- style of hockey comes from, Cameron. Yeah, definitely. You know, growing up in Sudbury, we always knew we had to maybe – we we are we're already labeled as the the rough and tough, you know. When we would travel to Toronto all the time, and uh, there are high school teams, you know. And uh, one of the ways for us to stay in a game was, yeah, let's be rough and let's get them off the game. Because, um, yeah, going to the DHL my whole life for hockey, and um, you know, yeah, we have to fight hard to kind of show our spot. Did you have a a welcome to the OHL moment that you can recall as a member of the Peterborough Peets? Like a good welcoming kind of like this is this is it. You're, you're yeah, here. like now I'm here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it was one of the first games of the year. Um, I I, I laid the body. I never did research of who was the best player in the team, or I just said if you're if you're on the ice with me, I'm gonna play hard, right? And um, I, I laid a massive hit on Huey on Belleville, and uh, he was uh, you know one of the skilled players. And after that happened, Marshman said, you know, hey, we have to go now. You know, it's time to fight. Uh, I never, I never fought in my life. Like I'm off the ice. It's not who I am. You know, uh, it's never been kind of my identity. But I love to throw physical hits. So next thing you know, and Marshman's like, no, like we have to go. Like we're fighting. And I, I told him, okay, like let, let's wait till next period. So period ends. I'm in the locker room and I'm talking to Nick Ritchie and stuff. I'm like, what do I do? And he's like, hey, punch him more than he punches you. I was like, okay, well. That's one thing, you know, like, luckily I had two brothers that kind of um, uh, definitely like I played rough with them growing up and being the youngest, I definitely had to play a little harder. Um, but I think that was it, man. Like Marshman, we had to go toe to toe, center ice off the face off. And uh, I was like, hey, I guess this is what, what happens now. Because I used to do this all my life, you know, throw the big body checks and, you know, the game continues. But now it's like, no, there's uh, repercussions from it. And uh I learned that, yeah, no, this is now semi-pro hockey and got to learn to defend yourself. You know, I was going to say, but it makes sense because you hit the skill guy, you have to go against the tough guy. They don't come much tougher than that at the time in yeah. the OHL than Marchman, right? Yeah, I know. He was two years older, like two inches taller, 20 pounds heavier, experience. And uh, no, I stood my own and it was a big kind of proof to me that, you know, I, I could take one and give two back. And uh, it definitely took off. You mentioned your brothers growing up. Can we go back to that for a bit? The Lazat brothers look like a pretty interesting crew, even to this day, Cameron. Yeah, yeah, no, um, you know, we we're really thankful that we in, in our basement we had this little like concrete room, and we could just do whatever with it. And we, we did ball hockey, and they they would throw me a net, 
I was just a net. I was stuck into being net my whole life at home. I had to be a net. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of that, but definitely like, you know, my middle brother, Marco, he, he loved the game like I did. And he was trying to, um, achieve his goals, same as me, like make it to the NHL. Uh, so having him as an older person going for the same things that pushed me hard. And he wonders like why I was able to keep up. Well, I played a year out my whole life was because I was training with him. You know, if it wasn't for my brother, Marco, like he was the hardest worker, you know, uh, he wanted more than I did looking back at it. And so uh, I'd have him constantly like pushing me and he was the same physical player uh, that just led me to kind of fill in his shoes. So if you always had to be the goalie in that concrete room in the basement, obviously you didn't move far position wise as a defenseman, <laughs> but how did you eventually get out and start, you know, playing as a skater? Uh, yeah, no, um, it's funny. Yeah. My oldest brother's a goalie. And I, I guess when I was growing up, I would like, cry to I'd cry to my dad I want to be goalie I want to be in net I wouldn't want to go to practice if I wasn't goalie and my dad like would have to trick me like oh no this is a game like we're going to play a game and I would show up and we practice and I'd have to practice as a player and I wanted to be goalie so bad all probably up until I was maybe like six seven years old I just wanted to be in net but uh you know goalies are uh, quite the individual so I think my dad did a good job kind of saying hey we have one goalie in the family we can't be having two so I, I do uh, thank him for that yeah and, and having goaltenders as uh kids playing the game that ain't cheap either <laughs> no no definitely not I, yeah like I said looking back he did a good choice like geez that have been a lot so mm-hmm. I always wonder about I mean watching this game and you're 15, 16 years old. You get drafted into the Ontario Hockey League. Peterborough is not exactly next door to Sudbury. I know all the kids make move at some point, but what's that like for you at that age, all of a sudden being that far away from home and starting out your hockey career? Yeah, like you think this is like a dream come true, right? Like, oh, cool, I'm moving away from home. I just just turned 16. Um, my birthday was late August, so as soon as my birthday hit, would always be training camp. And so, you know, I moved away at 16. And, of course, the first few weeks is just a dream. You know, you're just soaking everything in. And um, you don't really realize maybe the effects it has on on you as a kid moving away from home. You're definitely distracted by the game of hockey and the whole excitement around it. But um, definitely it, it takes a toll, you know. Like my family, you you don't realize at the time, but they're like your, your support system, you know. Like you, you, you just have it your whole life. So you just – you maybe take it for granted, you know, you have that support. But when you left, you know, I didn't have that anymore. Of course, you have the phone calls and they visited. They went to almost every game. My parents were so great to travel through the storms. Like, oh, they're, they're so dedicated. And I I always appreciate the love that they've given me. And um, But, yeah, no, it's uh, definitely has its time, like its tolls, you know, like as a kid, not having your family and you just have to lean on your brothers, your, your, your brothers as in, you know, your teammates. And, um yeah thank, thankfully of course you need to have that, those good friends on your team that kind of push you through the things because you're going through the same stuff you know like the first game of the year you get told you're not playing you know like I'm crying you know like, I'm crying in the showers because like that's all I wanted this is why I'm here why aren't I playing you know it, it hurts and uh you give it your all and um yeah it definitely um it, it definitely is tough at moments but um you have a dream and a goal in hand and um, you got to stay focused. But I definitely, I can't complain too much because I know some players that let's say their billet situation was tough or, you know, they didn't have the family visiting all the time. So 
um yeah I definitely didn't have it the worst you know but <laughs> yeah did you feel then Cameron like once you got into the lineup on a regular basis that you you know you kind of made it because that's got to be a milestone if you're not playing in your first game of course yeah like yeah. um yeah, the first, my first year in the OHL was tough. You know, Matt Spencer was drafted ahead of me. He was, like, third overall or something, uh, second overall. So he was a defenseman as well. And then they drafted me second round. Um, and we had a veteran line. And, you know, if some of the guys didn't have the best game, they stuck with their vets. They really stuck with their vets till there was maybe injuries or something. So um, it was a lot of uh, balancing around. You know, like, they, they said, oh, we're going to send you to Junior B to kind of so you get the play. You know, so I signed this contract, which meant I had to wear a cage when I played in the OHL. But then they never sent me to Junior B. So all the only thing that changed was me wearing a cage. And I was a physical player, you know. So I don't want to get into that too, too much, you know. Like, um, but, yeah, like the, that, the stuff like that is tough. You know, you feel you're being held back and uh, you, you just want to show what you got. Yeah. In Peterborough, as a defenseman, how much did those square corners that we talk about so much drive you crazy? Yeah, that's funny. I'll never forget those corners. Um, I think, I think this is like something I took in life too. It's just like you take your net, like you take what's what you think is maybe an obstacle. You kind of try to use it as your advantage. You know, um, always look at something negative and try to find the positives within it. You know, and of course they're square as heck, but luckily I got to study them. I had to practice there. Right. So um, I think it was worse for other guys that be coming in. Cause uh, I really knew the bounces. I kind of like kept that in mind of how to rim the puck. You can't just rim it. If you just, sometimes you just rim it around the boards and come to the net, it would like scoop. So you definitely had to practice uh, a bit of that. And um, they were hard boards and I didn't have much give back like the new ones do. Uh, these ones were like stiff. And so, you heard the hits. You really did. And, um, and I, I hit them too. So I got to feel what they felt like. But uh, it was fun kind of delivering on the other side of it. Didn't they remind you a little bit then, though, of the boards back home in Sudbury where you played growing up? Because those boards, as I recall, didn't have a lot of give in them either. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, they're frozen, man. Um, yeah, like I played in a, a place called Lebac. And if anybody from Sudbury knows where Lebac is, it's, you know, a cold rink and um yeah the ice is the hardest ice you'll ever play on and um yeah no those, those are the things that you know I guess maybe Subbury kind of built me up for Peterborough <laughs> <laughs> exactly do you get a kick out of uh Letter Kenny and Shorzy if you check them out at all I, I think it. that's a badge of it. honor right I love it um I definitely I recently watched Shorzy uh, I didn't watch it when I soon came out I heard people talk about it and then I jumped on it later um i love it i love it a friend of mine who's who's, who's starring in it my brother actually refed in this, the background so uh because my brother's an ohl ref now and um yeah it's it kind of cool seeing some familiar faces and seeing where the scenes are at you know where this is and this is and they're even saying the same words like the same the same bars in town they're they're calling it the same names right so they're not changing much so if you're from Sudbury and know anything about it it's really cool yeah it brings you home it must have felt at least like a little bit more of a homecoming when you got traded from Peterborough to Barry. That's about as close as you can get, I guess, with the exception of North Bay to being back home if you're a Sudbury boy. Yeah, yeah, no, and Barry was awesome. Like Barry was, um, you know, one of the best teams in the league, and um, is Central. You know, traveling's the best there, and 
I, I, I really enjoyed playing in uh, Barry. You know, Barry was uh, the owner, the coaches. Like I had the, I got the honor to be coached by Howard Chuck. Um, so I got to get to know Howard Chuck. That was really, really cool. And, and that was when I was starting to get in my fashion there. So he, he was even interested. I remember him pulling me in and I'm like, am I in shit? And then he'd be like, no, like, uh, what are you doing at home? Like, what's this, what are the guys talking about? Like, you know, so he was definitely curious and supportive of what I was like uh, trying to take on. That must have meant the world to you at the time, Cameron. Maybe even just looking back, because I'm thinking about, you know, not only are you a hockey player, but you're a guy that's known for his physicality, playing that tougher style. And yet, like, that doesn't yeah. marry with fashion, right? But to have a coach, especially a Hall of Famer like Dale Howard, Chuck, yeah. expressing interest and supporting you must have meant a ton. For sure. Like, he had a really wide perspective on life. And he could, you could tell he, he lived a good life, man. And he, he's seen so much. And he's been able to teach so many kids under him of what he learned. And, um, yeah, and I always kind of um, appreciate the things he, he kind of taught us. And uh, he's, yeah, one of the best coaches. And even, like, the, the owner, Howie, um, I, just, I just went to him, and I, I brought a couple pieces I made. And I just said, hey, this is what I do. Any chance I could, you know, sell my clothes during the games? And he's just baffled. He's like, wait, you, 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 you sewed all this. Like, you know, like, people in fashion, a lot of people think, like, oh, you get someone to make it for you, you know? Um, like a little print. They're expecting, like, you put a print on a T-shirt. And then you're like, hey, I'm a designer. But I was truly like creating it from scratch, um, you know, unique fabrics. And uh, he was, yeah, it was funny seeing his reaction because he didn't, he was so surprised, but he he didn't hesitate. He was like, no, like if you want to sell your stuff during the games, let's do it. So I had a a second cousin who lived in Barrie and got her to run the booth. And I would run upstairs after the game to see how sales went. (laughs) So um that looking back that's so cool like i don't think a, a player has ever done that you know i've heard a few players kind of start a little brand but like they're not making it themselves it's not um true couture and uh that's what i'm going for that's absolutely amazing so let's let's stay on that for a minute we, i mean we have to talk about an ohl championship still too but because you're talking about what you were able to do in barry and that experience and so cool to hear that howie was as supportive as dale was as the coach but at that age, Cameron, and, you know, in the OHL, if you've got dreams of playing pro, my perspective on this game and talking to a lot of guys like you, it's eat, sleep, hockey, eat, sleep, hockey, and maybe you work in a little bit of studying here and there. How did you find time and where did it all start? You're like 18, 19 years old, you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, honestly, like, yeah, we have more time than people think, you know, like we we just have to work hard within those hours, you know, like. Like, you know, the thing how Howard Chuck said was like, you know, this job allows us, you just have to work a few hours of the day, you know, and then you're good. You don't have to work a nine to five, you know, you don't want to get to that nine to five. What he means is like, you know, usually an average day, you know, you go to the rank, you work out for two hours, you do a bit of therapy and then, you know, you go home and then you have practice in the afternoon. And then unless you have some kind of, um, kind of get together kind of stuff with the team you're you're off for the nights usually unless it's like uh, on weekends so um most of the guys they got into video games you know it's really big in the hockey culture like because we have to rest our bodies right they don't want coach doesn't want us running around after (laughs) we just trained right so um i was at home a lot and uh, it was either 
you know, be more social or, um, yeah, play video games. But I just kind of like dedicated my time to just let's make a piece. You know, it would take me, you know, 10 hours, but um, I was just obsessed. It was something to kind of get my mind off things, you know, with hockey, like we talked about, things was, wasn't going my way completely. You know, like I wasn't playing and um, I was wearing the, the cage half the year. And so I felt like my hands were tied at points. So I think the sewing was something for me to kind of let go. Like I have all the control in the world type thing. I just, there's no mistakes, you know, because if I made a mistake on the ice, I'm benched. Like, you know, like I, there's not, not, not much room for error as a rookie. And so being a rookie on a sewing machine, I, I can screw up all I want, you know, and I can learn from it. And that was the beauty of it. I can make mistakes. It's okay. So, um, yeah, I had a great joy, like, discovering the start of it. It was just me in my head. I would, uh, before, before bed, I would take clothing apart in my head and put it back together. And if I ran into a problem, I would back it up. So it's funny, like, I watched uh, Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you saw that. It, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, that's me without the pills. Like, I was able to kind of see it. Uh, before bed and kind of visualize it to the point where it was so vivid and real where I knew it was good, what it was going to look like before I finished it. So when you have those fresh ideas in your head and you just want to bring them to life, there's nothing else you want to do but to bring those ideas to life so you can move forward. You know? How did you first discover that within you, Cameron? Was there, I mean, I'm thinking at that age, maybe a, a teacher that helped draw it out of you or what was your introduction to a sewing machine? Definitely, you know, teachers is important important like having um motivated inspiring teachers is huge because um the teachers i had in art at thomas a stewart and peterborough were so supportive so like yeah i i i keep in contact contact with them till today like i i like about once a month i talk to them my sewing teacher and my media my um mixed medium arts uh teacher um these these women really like this like kind of they saw they saw kind of what I was doing and they really like they really protected me from that because a lot of people definitely you know the chirp and you know like uh, of course it's a little different someone's sewing but thank god I was tough thank god I had a big beard because people didn't really want to say much when I started you know they were quiet I, I think if I was maybe a goalie you know they maybe would have chirped me a little bit more but the fact that I was um the rough bearded man, uh, I think they kind of just sat back and watched. Yeah. I wondered about that because, you know, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of a, you know, 17, 18 year old kid with all of the peer pressure that's associated with that. If you're not a hockey player and then you're a hockey player in the OHL of all things, and there's almost an image or a stereotype that you have to live up to and no offense, but sewing is, is not that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, just arts in general, you know, like it, we're just uh, hockey. Like I thought everyone watched hockey when I was little. I thought the whole world watched hockey. I didn't realize that there's, you know, more to life. There's other things that people are interested in. Uh, I grew up, my life was hockey, man. Like till I was, till I left, till I left Peterborough, like Sudbury, like that's all I knew. You know, I, I was born on skates. My older brothers played hockey. Um, that's all I really aspired to be was a hockey player. And, once I moved to Peterborough and kind of got exposed to different things and yeah, like it's different, but people like to talk a lot and they don't show it. So it's easy to say, ah, like he's all talk or he's, it's just the dream or something, but 
you know, I, I, you just put your head down and work. And, you know, next thing you know it, I have all these pieces. Half my team is wearing my stuff. Um, and yeah, you have, you have no choice but to call me a designer. And uh, it, it was really cool to kind of show the guys that, yeah, you kind of like, we could do anything we want, you know? Like if you put your mind to it, you can really do it. <laughs> How tough was it being traded? You were traded twice, from Peterborough to Barry, then from Barry down to Erie. At that age, how tough is it? It would have been tougher if I didn't want to go, but uh, I was in a position where uh, I just felt that we weren't going to try. You know, I, I felt like we were okay with just being okay, and that bothered me. Um, I'm driven, you know, I, I, I'm really driven, and um, I think looking back, I had a crazy anxiety of, you know, the team was just not going for it you know and um and with you know with the cage thing in the first year and uh yeah like i think i had my my time was up there to the point where uh i wasn't loving the game as much anymore i was falling out of love and so um i asked for a trade kind of because i was worried for myself and my mental health and so i wanted to kind of yeah go home for a bit and reset and hopefully like a fresh start and um they were they weren't able to give me that unfortunately i don't blame them you know i think i was a decent player so <laughs> uh no i'm kidding but uh, yeah they wouldn't let me go so i, I kind of like made a decision to head home and they had to trade me at that point you know and so and looking back a lot of guys i think would have done what i did and people say oh that's crazy courageous of you to to do that but I was just trying to be happy. Like I said, I was looking out for my mental health and um, I just needed to kind of like, yeah, be with family and find find why I'm losing love out of the game. You know, I was distracted. So um, getting traded to Barry, it was it was an awesome news. You know, I was like, okay, awesome. Like my career can keep going and, um, you know, a new chapter can begin. Um, I was running out of pages in my last chapter. So um, Barry was amazing, you know, uh, I got there. They're a good team. You know, like it always helps when they're a good team. Half the team's already signed to the NHL. Like, you know, you have LeBanc, you have Macwood, uh, you have Rasmus Anderson, you have um, Mangiapani. The list goes on, man. Like, we had a hell of a team. And so um, it was a really good fresh start for me. And yeah, I could see being traded can be difficult for different situations. But for me, I was happy to be closer to home and happy to have a kind of different, uh, a fresh start. Yeah. If you had a hell of a team in Barry, you almost had the stuff of super team in Erie with those four straight 50 win seasons. And you're there for the championship in 17. Yeah. You're walking onto a team with what? Debrinket, Strom, Radishes. I mean, gosh. Yeah, yeah. We just, we got, we had Chernak, we traded for Sorelli, we had Fogel. Um, amazing team. Um, I remember like when we went for it in Barry, we lost to Niagara in the quarter semifinals. And then, then next year we lost everybody, you know, and now, um, 
uh, I'm now not on the vet all of a sudden, you know, like, and uh, we were, I, I it was funny because I, I used to say like, you know, we were in the basement. We were the last place team in the league. We were one of the last place teams, Barry. Um, and then when I got traded to Erie, I was like, wow, going to the basement to the rooftop. Like, you know, that's, I remember what I, that's what I said. Like, uh, and that was another thing. Like I wasn't like they, my agent asked me, like, would you hate it if you got traded? I was like, I'm going, I like to go for playoffs, you know, like I always, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. And I, I, I knew that I was a unique player. There wasn't much players like me in the league. It was definitely my genre is defleeting. Like kind of, it's not really seen in hockey as much that rough and tough player. It's getting more and more skilled. Um, I forget, I can't even say his name, but the guy in Montreal, I love him. I love him. I, oh, uh, Jack. I, yeah, Jack. I, I yeah. love him. You know, I love his story and, uh, he's definitely one of my favorite players, but you know, yeah, like so, being that they, that that's why I got traded. You know, they needed more toughness, and so they put me, they even put me forward in Erie. They're like, hey, like we need you to bang on the defense. So like they threw me up first game in Owen Sound. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea. And then after the game, the coach was like, you did awesome. I'm like, sweet, good, <laughs> I'll keep doing it. But uh, yeah, so it, it was fun being like. I was definitely used, my body was used to kind of, uh, for playoffs and everything. Barry did the same. And then when I got to Erie, they really utilized me for my toughness. And, um, yeah, I was so thankful that they gave me a chance for that team. Cause I knew they already won three seasons of 50 wins and wow, to be on that team for six months. I'm very thankful, very thankful. Cause, uh, I don't know. Maybe they would have won without me, but <laughs> you know, the hell of a team and so thankful for that part yeah. yeah no looking back every piece was needed cameron so you were absolutely required for that championship yeah people <laughs> people all the time i uh when the group photo came out of the uh, us around the trophy uh, people in the comments kept saying who let their dad in the photo you know like because i'm the guy i grow my beard for the playoffs and uh yeah and there's even like t-shirts people made t-shirts spear the beard so that was being printed uh in Erie. so it was funny that's mm -hmm. awesome i i understand too you talk about the the team gathering around the trophy for that photo i understand there was like a group chat between a bunch of the guys on the team were you part of that like a like a text message group or something right um yeah if i'll be honest there, there was a few chats you know okay. like there was a chat, I think, that was really dedicated for the NHL guys. I wasn't on the chat, so maybe I don't know, but I, I heard there was a like a they there was a chat for like the all the elite guys on the team, you know. And um, there's you know you definitely like Strom was the, I think Strom was amazing for this as a captain. He was he would mingle with everyone, you know, like he would make sure that he was not a part of the clique. Because some guys definitely were maybe a little clicky, you know, but um, Strom was really good about uh, making sure that he checks in with everyone, hangs out with everybody, you know, like he would hang out, like hang out with anyone, you know, like just kind of do his rounds, make sure everyone's good and everyone's on the same goal and page. So uh, Strom was a really amazing captain for that. Um, but yeah, no, there was a few group, group chats, but, uh, yeah, I don't think I was on the NHL one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still keep in touch with the guys from that championship team? Any of them? Yeah, definitely. Um, Strom, Dabrinka, probably the, the two most, um, they support me with what I'm doing a lot. And I appreciate that. Um, yeah, like TJ Fergus, uh, he was one of my close friends on the team. Um, 
Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of the guys, a bunch of the guys. There's definitely a few guys that you're like, what is he up to? You know, I haven't heard of him or he's not on social media, you know? So, um, yeah, like names I think of is like Gurney. You know, what's Gurney doing? Uh, I even forget his first name. Some kids, like, you love to check in and see how they're doing. Yeah. And yeah. some of the guys use their social media to help promote the stuff that you were making. Have you sent anything to, to Brink at or, you know, any of the other guys in the pros? Yeah, yeah. Actually, just recently, just after my um, Hockey Day in Canada feature, uh, a few of them reached out saying, hey, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Awesome story. And so, um, yeah, I, I send them a little gift uh, to Brink at and Strom. So, nice. yeah, I take care of them. I, I recently got reached, reached out to some NBA people, so I don't want to talk too much on that. I don't want to jinx anything, but might be sneaking into the NBA, which is good because they're very, very stylish and um, can definitely wear almost anything. Absolutely. Okay, we'll keep our eyes out for that. Uh, on the hockey side, you mentioned with Barry getting knocked out in the semis by Niagara. The London Knights gave you guys a scare in, I think it was the second round, that 17 playoff, where it went seven. What do you remember of the series? Oh, I felt like we we won. We when we beat when we beat London that game, we won the whole thing. We knew we won the whole thing. Um, of course, Owen Sound was a good fight, but and uh, even Miss Saga, they won a game against us that we were maybe too cocky, uh, but. Yeah, London was – it's funny because um, the guy I played with Barry with, Carbonara, uh, Adrian Carbonara, he was another kind of rough and tough guy. Loved to – he was a, a bit more pesty than I was. I wasn't much of a talker. You know, I'm very classy by the way I play. I play hard. I kind of resemble my game off Cornwall. Um, but, you know, the, he was – you know, we were best friends on Barry, but on London, when I was on Erie, he, he, he hit me hard in the head. Like, he – he, did, he, he he said sorry after the game a few times because he was like playing a little too rough and we, we laugh about it now but um yeah it's no joke man like we were best friends off the ice but on the ice like he was ready to kill me you know because he knew that I was that guy on that on my team and he had to make sure that he was going to try to show dominance you know like make sure that you know there's no intimidation going on so it, it was a battle man and all those players I came in, don't know where to start London too were stacked so to beat them, yeah, we, we, we definitely celebrated like we won the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, at that point, you basically did. There's still the big green monster in the league, that's for sure. What was definitely. the Memorial Cup experience like for you? Uh, amazing. I definitely wished it, was, it wasn't in Windsor because like, I was like, I've already been to Windsor. Like, let's, go to, <laughs> let's go to Halifax. Let's go across the world. You know, I was so excited to see a new place. Uh, but no, like Windsor, it, it was an awesome, awesome time there. And uh, um, of course, heartbreaking finish. You know, we felt like we were robbed. Um, I was playing through, you know, broken ribs, dislocated shoulder. Um, Strom was playing through a bunch of, like, our team was, you know, yeah, we, we went through playoffs. And to play a team that were rested and we're still a strong team. And the goalie, Di Pietro, oh, my God. We ran into the hottest goalie, which doesn't help, you know. And so, um, yeah, heartbreaking finish because we felt like we truly deserved it. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. It just sucked. By that time, By that time, my shoulder came out four times within a year. So guys and tough guys in the other team, I was so excited to maybe do a big memorial fight. Um, I couldn't. I had to tell the guys, you know, 
my shoulder is done. <laughs> like I, I'll be playing rough out here, but yeah, I can't drop the gloves because I'll have to fight with one arm. That yeah. sounds a little bit like that code we often hear about between guys that play the style of game that you play. There's a, as tough as it is and as demanding as it is physically, there's a respect there, isn't there? Most of the time, yes. Big respect. Even um, one of the most respectful guys, I think, was Bell off Ottawa. His first name, but he was Captain Bell. Uh, he was like, he, he would wait for you. He would wait for you off the ice as you went walk by because you have to kind of cross the same path. He'd be like, oh, hey, man, um, any chance we could go in the next period? My team's kind of like need some energy. I'll fight you in your hometown next time. Like that, that casual, you know? And I was like, ah, you know, coach says like not today. So there's definitely a big level of respect. I think the toughest guys who do do this job are are like that because, um, yeah, we understand the kind of stresses we have to go through. Like if I knew I had to fight the next day, I wouldn't sleep much. I would I would practice in my head different scenarios, thousand scenarios of how a fight could go and how I would react because it happens so fast, right? And the more fights you do, the slower time goes. So like your first, if you ever look at my first fight, I'm just punching. And my last fight, you're you have these moves, you know, you have combos, and you get kind of get better at it. Um, yeah, there, there's some guys I know that their only fight was against me. They said I fought you, and then I said this wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. It's a fun. It's a. It's definitely a tough uh, role to play, but that's why there's so much respect within it. Mm -hmm. You. You alluded to something when you're talking about that Memorial Cup in Windsor, and it, it, I just want to go back to it for half a second because it speaks to the host team getting the automatic berth, but that Windsor team got bounced by London, just like you took London to seven games in the second round, but survived. But you had to go through all of that. You go through four rounds, and then you're into the round robin, and they got 44, I think it was, days off in between. Yeah, and people were like, oh, they're going to be rusty. Those guys are practicing hard. You think they're not scrimmaging? You think coach is not getting them scrimmage hockey? Of course. Of course, they were probably playing against school teams. They were staying fresh. And, um, yeah, you could tell. You could tell they 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 knew where our bruises were, and they pushed on them. And um, good for them. They did what they had to do for the win. And they got it. But it's just something doesn't feel right about it. Yeah. Okay, so you said earlier, Cameron, that you were – essentially born on skates and hockey was all you wanted to do. You were going to be a hockey player. You win an OHL championship, heartbreak in the Memorial cup, but you also got a chance at Toronto Maple Leafs rookie camp. At that point, you must've thought that like this, this is it, right? You, you'd reached the, the, the summit here. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I definitely, I had an idea that, I, you know, maybe I won't be in the NHL. So, I, you know, when I was at the Toronto Leafs camp, when I was at Memorial Cup, I, I, I kind of felt like it was my peak. And it's beautiful when you know it. You know it's your peak because you really sit and bask in it. This is a beautiful moment. And I'm enjoying this. Um, yeah, like, I'm definitely thankful I hit those summits. You know, a lot of kids from Sudbury um, tried and they didn't. And um, the fact that I, I got to, uh, I'll always be really thankful, especially, you know, like my, my brother says all the time, like he, he wishes he had the career I had, you know, and sometimes I wish I could have given it to him after like doing what I'm doing now. Like Marcos, he's still refing hockey. He loves the game, you know, and I do too. It's just, uh, I, I'm kind of, I found this whole different path and um, I'm thankful that I'm on a path, you know, wh whatever it is, I have something driving me. Um, I'm very 
I'm very work driven. You know, if I feel like I'm not doing anything productive, uh, uh, it's tough on me. So I, I definitely like to um, be very meaningful with my work and give it all I got. It's never been 99%. I feel like that's a waste of time. You know, like we're so capable of so many things. So for doing it, do it the best. Yeah. I love that philosophy. And I get the sense that there's not an ounce of regret within you in terms of like you you did what you did in hockey. You're obviously proud of it, but you you knew mm -hmm. like you were comfortable. This isn't a fallback for Cameron Lazat. Fashion is essentially your your future now. It's your life. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely slowly transitioned from my first piece ever made to my last game played in, in the OHL. Like my fashion was slowly ramping. You know, I was working on my skills at home every day for two years till I quit hockey. And once I once I left, you know, I had offers to go play uh, in Sudbury my last year. The Wolves was willing to take me for my OA year, um, which, you know, looking back would have been fun, man. Like, but the thing is, my shoulder is done. That's another thing I have to think about. It's like, uh, if I get surgery now, it's nine month recovery. There goes my OA season. Do I want to play with a bum shoulder? Like I said, I want to go with things 100%. I can't go 100% no more. My body is not letting me. So, you know, that made it easier too. Um, if, if I was still, if I was fully healthy, I probably wouldn't make the same, same choice. You know, I, I think I was ready to kind of take on um, my fashion career because uh, I, yeah, I did felt it wasn't my peak. I think if I kept going, I would have been chasing. I would have been chasing that high, you know, chasing that next big peak, but uh, maybe wouldn't have got it. Like, uh, that's why I love that guy's story um, for Montreal because, you know, he wasn't supposed to be there. You know, he, he wasn't meant to be there, but he freaking, he, he worked, he worked hard enough to break that, break whatever, whatever was holding him back, whatever path was not allowing him to get there. He, he made his way and, um, you know, not saying I couldn't have done that, but, you know, seeing him do it is like, wow, good for him, you know, because I, I know how he feels because he, he maybe thought his career was done, but he, he, he broke through. Yeah. Do you, do you take anything away from your hockey career that you use with you, or can you see any connections between what you did as a hockey player and what you do now as a fashion designer? I'd start, I, I maybe what I wasn't really aware of it, but once I talked to more artists around me, uh, they, they asked, why am I different? You know, like they, when I, when I told them my hockey story, they're like, ah, oh, that's why I'm like, what do you mean? They're like most artists I meet don't have this tenacity, this, competitiveness you know like you're you're most artists are a little bit more loosey with it but you're like you're so driven i'm, I'm like i think it's because my hockey you know like i grew up going to war you know hockey i, I had to fight hunter smith i i, I put <laughs> i mean hunter smith have a i collapsed his lung when i hit him so hard he had to crawl to the bench and i wasn't feeling good either he got a suicide pass and peter bro i hit him and he got to the bench he had a full he collapsed and he was out for a month and his first game back was against me. And he just stood at that red line looking at me. It was like, we're, we're fighting. And this guy was known to be the big rig, like the toughest guy in the league, knocking guys out. And, um, you know, I, I would just stand up to anything. Like I definitely felt invincible in that way. Um, I, I kind of fell away from the question. What was that again? It was just the parallels between, you know, and you were talking about that intensity that maybe comes with you into the yeah, fashion world. Exactly. The intensity, like, you know, there's there's times in hockey where like yeah like this is it feels like do or die you know like you you really 
you really put your heart into it. Like, and so I was just used to kind of being vulnerable like that. And I gave it my all in fashion. It was the same thing. Like, you know, people would say I'm a man playing amongst boys. When I got drafted to the OHL, the OHL prospect said, yeah, I'm a man playing amongst boys. Cause I was a boy too, but I just kind of like, I would just throw my body. I don't know. I, I trust, I trust that I just would throw myself and, uh, it's kind of the same thing with my fa the fashion. I just kind of throw myself at it and I put my whole weight into it. Um, yeah, and it is interesting. I do appreciate that. I, th I do think hockey has given me a crazy amount of um, work ethic and determination and realizing there's a lot of kids trying to do the same thing you're doing. And for you to get a leg up, you got to work that extra. You know, you got to put that extra time in and, um, yeah, I I don't think I would I would be here today without like the push that hockey gave me. I I gotta think that fearless and fearlessness comes into this too, Cameron. Like I'm just yeah. thinking on that story with, you know, Smith comes back a month later after you collapse his long first games against you. He's staring at you. You know, you gotta you're you're in for something that night. And taking such a 180 in your career on your life trajectory speaks to fearlessness, at least to me. Right. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that is a good point. And, and it's to look back at it, I can reflect on it in that way. In the moment, I'm just, just trying to follow my heart. You know, I'm really intuitive. And um, I truly felt like this is my path. You know, it wasn't hockey. It's, it's, it's this fashion thing. And I had, um, had dreams of me being, doing what I'm doing now. You know, I, I was, I saw it then. And I, it's weird. It's really, it was a weird time in my life because I truly felt like it was, um, it was like a spiritual moment, you know, I, it was like something was truly saying that, you know, the, this is, this is for you, you know, like hockey was to let, lead you to this. It wasn't, if I just started in fashion, it, it wouldn't have been the same. I needed to go through hockey. I needed to go through that, you know, that, um, I always kind of refer it as war because like, uh, some, some games I had, I was just, taping my wrist, putting Vaseline on my cut points. I'm like, I'm not even getting ready for hockey. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was all to, and I, I never fought angry too. Uh, it was always because I had to protect. It was just my job. And um, it wasn't my identity. Like, I, I didn't want it to be. I was just good at it. Like, uh, my my brothers, like my oldest, my, my middle brother, like, yeah, we, we fought a bit growing up. And being the youngest, I think I got beat up more. So uh, I think that really toughed me up and um, I was ready for it. I don't know. Do any of the numerous fights you were involved in still stand out to you? Yeah, Hunter Smith was obviously one of the biggest ones because he was the toughest guy in the league and his motive was to hurt me. Um, his father was going around in the stand saying, hey, watch out, my son's going to knock out number three. My parents overheard it. <laughs> he didn't know my parents were right there. So, um, yeah, like this guy definitely, he was known to kind of like just run the fight. If you're finding him, he's going to run it. But um, 
I stood my own and that was one of the biggest ones. I remember like every every punch he, he hit me with, I would kind of see black for a second and then I'm just still in it, you know? Um, can't say that's good for the brain at all, but um, I was like, you're a kid, man, and you're, you're, you want to take on the NHL. You just, there's that for me, that was like, okay, this is to prove to the, the scouts, you know, it was my draft year. It's to prove to the scouts that I, I can keep up with the toughest guys out there. Um, him and McCarron, you know, McCarron was a guy I always tried to fight. He was a, a little pest in, in Oshawa. He, he liked to talk and play a little dirty and, but wouldn't, wouldn't fight. You know what I mean? Uh, that bugged me. And so he finally fought me when he jumped me, you know, like I, I was at the end of my shift. Same thing. I threw a big hit on Houdon. This is what I do. I throw hits. I don't care who you are. I'll throw my body against you and nailed Houdon. He didn't like that. So at the end of my shift, I'm bagged. I'm tired. I go to dump it in so I can get off the ice. As I turn around, there's Hunter Smith. Uh, there's McCarron with his gloves off already swinging at me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, I've been wanting to fight you forever, but not now. I'm tired. But uh, it was a quick fight. But thank God, I'm really happy that I, I got I got my gloves off in the, in the NHL uniform. You know, it made TSN the next day. I, I definitely knew I wasn't going to make TSN on a, a nice toe drag goal. So uh, I had to drop my gloves to get on TV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, right? Whatever, whatever it takes. It takes. You, you were on TV in your second career already, or at least your work was, thanks to, well, and, and you too with that feature we talked about. But I think the coolest part, no disrespect, is the fact that the piece that you made, Ron McLean was wearing on Hockey Day. Oh, yeah. He, not to be biased, but I think he was like the most dripped out I've ever seen on TV. 100%. <laughs> he actually like looked so good. And plus someone else gave him like this diamond chain, like a totem necklace. And with the chain and the jacket, I was like, man, this guy's dripping. I was like, I'm so proud. Uh, I really hope that he felt that too. Like he's like, wow, like I'm, I'm fashionable, you know, like I'm looking good, but I feel myself as well. You know? Yeah. That, that was really a cool piece to do. How did it happen? Like, how did it, this come to be? So it, it, it all, it's, it's just stepping stones, man. Like it starts, you know, you put work in and then next thing you know, it, a girl reaches out from the athletic. She's like, Hey, I want to do a story on you. Do the athletic. Um, I got a lot of great responses from it, you know, but it, then it got quiet, you know, I, I would go back to work and then um, all of a sudden I get reached out from uh, John, John Whaley, Wiley or some, he, he's an executive produ- producer for uh, Rogers. And he says, uh, we saw your uh, thing on the athletic and we've been waiting to reach out and we thought hockey day in Canada, no one sounds a perfect time. And, uh, I was like, damn, I, I really wish you guys told me you guys saw that when you saw it last year, because, you know, as an artist, it's, you get down on yourself, you know, like, is anybody watching, you know, like, it's, it's definitely a journey of you, you don't want you don't want to be looking for that validation, but validation is huge, because you don't know if you're doing good, you know, like, in hockey, it's very evident if you're doing good or bad, you win the game or lose the game, you know, but me, it's like, it's so opinion based. And it's very subjective to your success. You know, so to have them, yeah, to do that, they reached out because they saw the athletic. And, you know, it's all stepping stones. You know, now I did Hockey Day in Canada. And it's off to the next. See, see what that will bring, you know. Tell me about the name of the company, Cameron. My my French is terrible, but I know there's a nod to Sudbury in there. Atelier. I... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's all good. It, 
I, when I made the name, I, I didn't realize a lot of people were kind of like, would be harder to kind of say, which is not, not what was my goal, but it, it's just who I am. I'm Franklish, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm English and French. So people always think it's like, is it full French? Like Atelier Coin, uh, like Corner? But no, it's, um, yeah, Atelier is means creative space in French. And um, I have a heavy French heritage. So I, I want to make sure I keep that close to me. And then coin, um, yeah, that's the subbery. You know, coin is coin is my roots, like the nickel beneath me. Uh, a little quote I kind of made up, and that's something I follow. So, um, yeah, I always, always appreciate. My family still lives in Sudbury, and Sudbury will always be home, like home, home. And so, um, yeah, I I love my name, Atelier Coin. So it's a bit of a mix of Franklish, but uh, it's definitely who I am. We talked earlier about starting in the OHL with Peterborough and how far away that felt from home. Sudbury's still home. I get it. I get the roots. But Victoria, British Columbia now, that's a long way, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The farthest you could ever go. Yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah, not, nothing too spectacular. You know, I was uh, I was in a relationship and um, work, work, was, work was needed here for her and my and um she had a sister who was dating well getting engaged to my best friend growing up he was a gold goaltender for me growing up so i kind of had uh some connections here already and um i knew i needed to get out in bc and um i wasn't crazy about vancouver either and i felt like i was maybe too small of a fish to jump in a big pond you know i was kind of scared to for lack of a better word i was definitely I was hesitant to be in a bigger city. I thought I'd maybe get overlooked. I wasn't maybe ready yet. Uh, so going to Toronto or Vancouver maybe wasn't in my cards. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was in, I'm in Victoria and I have plans to move to Toronto uh, in a few months because um, I feel like I'm ready. Like I feel like I have the work that I can, um, I could be in any city and I could really be who I want to be. Um, so I think Toronto has maybe the most, um, opportunities with influencers music um, athletes there's a lot lot going on so um, definitely looking towards getting my getting myself there to really yeah flourish boy I'll tell you what though and I'm sure you know lucky to be where you are even for a minute because that is a gorgeous part of the world yeah, I've been here for two years and I, I, it is gorgeous uh, it's amazing um you know, I do not miss the winters at all. I love the, I don't mind rain. I'll take it, you know, I, after like being used to so much snow. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm definitely gonna, I, I got so much inspiration from here. You know, I think that's what I really t- took in was the inspiration. And um, it's a, it's a unique part of the land. It has the most diverse trees in all of Canada. You know, we have palm trees and we have arbutuses and it's just wild. Some parts look like Africa here. You know, um, yeah, it, it's definitely otherworldly, and I'll always appreciate that. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Okay, so mm-hmm. help me understand. Like, I, I'm a hockey guy. I've been covering the O since before you were in it, and it's we see. You know, scouts watch you play, and that help you get that helps you get to the next level. How does it work in fashion? How are you? Yeah. You know, Paris Fashion Week I know is a part of this story, but like, how do you get your name out there? Right. And um, I get asked that all the time, you know, from younger designers, you know, like, how, how did you do it? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just worked, you know, I just worked. 
um, you just start with your community, you know, like you, you start by just producing, just, you know, put your head down, just show the, show the world what you can do first before you just tell the world, just show them with your work. Uh, and I would just put it on social media and I would definitely try to do things in the community, little pop-ups and try to get your name out, you know, and, um, luckily for all these opportunities that happened in my life, it's been coming to me. Um, not saying you don't have, you don't, you don't reach out. I, I think there's a mix. You definitely, you need to put yourself out there and you take a lot of no's and that's okay. If you don't ask, they say no for you. So I don't, I don't care if they say no, I don't care. Like you just keep trying. And, um, there's gonna be someone that will give you the opportunity, but luckily with Vancouver fashion week and Paris fashion week, that's just me putting my work out there and seeing what happens, you know? Um, you know, I, I put out that energy. I, the law of attraction, I'm putting out my heart into my work and there's people that will recognize that and that will want to put you on. So, uh, my first time at uh, Paris fashion week, was with Flying Solo, and they are a company out of New York. They kind of um, scout different brands, small brands, because Paris Fashion Week is so big. I'm still too small to, like, have my whole big show. I, you know what I mean? Like, so they, they scout maybe, like, 40 designers across North America or even, like, the world, and they put them in one place. So I, I was, like, a part of the show, which is awesome. And then um, Vancouver, same thing. I got reached out. And then that was huge. And, then, and like you said, finding, you know, validation and how do you, how do you know that you're growing? Um, thank God. I, I didn't know there was an award, but I won best, uh, best new designer uh, out of British Columbia, my first show at Vancouver. So I, I didn't even know there was an award. I did my show. And then right after they called me out to the stage in front of everybody. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? And they said like, yeah, like you, you won, um, you won this award, the Nancy Mack Award, and which is a pain for my whole trip in Paris in a month. So that's that was the war award basically is like you get to have your own show. So they're they're paying for my flight, my hotel, the venue, you know, uh, around like it's almost like thirty k euros for to do a big show in Paris, and um, so that was huge validation, you know. Like I'm traveling the world from the sewing machine, you know. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Traveling the world from a sewing machine. And you're you're like a one man operation. Yeah. Like you make all of these pieces on your own sewing machine yourself. Yeah, it's always been me. And um I've had really good mentors along the way. You know, I, I definitely have a lot of older ladies in my life uh, that have been sewing longer than I've been alive. And you gotta keep those people around because I do believe like I'm able to sew on the, the shoulder of giants and what i mean by that is people already made the hoodie people already there's so much already innovation and creativity has been pushed till this point where i can elevate it from where they took it you know and so i can't take all the credit you know because i if it wasn't for the people before me i would still be learning how to just just to make just to structurally make something um so uh yeah that was a question again sorry well, it was just, you know, wondering at, at this point, like what the, you working on your own, like how do yeah, you oh manage God. to put out all these pieces? Right. I was going to say like, I definitely hired um, like three sewers in my life before and I had to let them go like within a few weeks because the quality was not there. And I realized I need to build a team around the sewing machine. 
So, um, you know, I have my brother, he, he's uh, graduated from uh, personal relations um, uh, PR. So uh, he, he helps me with like kind of reaching out to people, being more formal uh, with everything because my head's so in creative process that I, I don't have time to kind of be in reality at some sometimes. <laughs> uh but it's always been just me man and it's um yeah it's it's a lot it's a sacrifice i uh i work especially on this collection i'm doing now like i, I have the net last two months and the, till i have to leave i have to work maybe 12 hours a day at least uh so there's definitely been a sacrifice you know it's it's to do it all to do it all you have to kind of you don't have much of a social life <laughs> you definitely have to put some things on a back burner um but it definitely pays off. I got to think there must be some toll, Cameron. I know that it's a less physical toll on your body doing this, but if you're at a sewing machine 10, 12 hours a day, a different kind of toll or no? My first, my, after my first show, right after the show happened, um, my body just let go. You know, I, I was, I was puking in the bathroom at the show. Like uh, I was trying to, I had to do interviews and stuff, but I was in the bathroom because my body just, the adrenaline laughed after the show, and I realized I haven't slept in an averaging maybe three hours of sleep and um, not eating much because I was nervous that day. Like it, it definitely takes a toll, and I've learned to, I le I've learned to take care of my body in different ways to 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 do this because it is a toll. Like your back and stuff. Like you need to uh, make sure you're stretching and you're still taking care of your body because. It, it's going to remind you if you're crouched in the chair all that time. Um, I definitely always tell people, you know, sewing's a lot easier on the body, but uh, it definitely takes a toll on the mind. You know, like every, every single like outfit is completely, it's completely me from after, buy the fabric, cut it, sew it. Um, there's a, I, I have a lot of high expectations, especially this coming show in Paris. You know, I, I've won these awards now. I was at Hawk Day in Canada um, people are expecting a good collection now. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm now playing competitive hockey, but in fashion. You know, before I was just doing it. You know, like house league, just doing it. But I've been moving up, and uh, it's awesome. It, it is, it is a tough toll, but I think it, not much changes. You still need that support system. Um, you still need to take care of yourself. You still need to eat right. You still need to sleep. Um, but it's definitely a mental, mental toll for sure. I love it. I love the way you put that all together and it connects to hockey. And I know you got to get back to that sewing machine, but let me just ask you one more. And that is around, again, as a kid, it was all about hockey. You're going to grow up, you're going to be a pro hockey player. We talked about those summits that you may have reached along the way, the OHL championship, the Memorial Cup, that rookie camp with the Toronto Maple Leafs. What does the ultimate success look like now in fashion for Cameron Lazat? I think um, I think I'm doing it already. You know, I'm I'm very thankful that this is a longevity thing. Um, hockey, your peak is quick. Like you have a few years, and then there's injuries. You you know your your timeline's short. You know, with what I'm doing, I could do this for a long, long time. Um, so I think the the journey is is what's truly um, is what you should chase. You know, the destination should never be it because I've never knew the destination. Like in hockey, NHL, NHL, that's the destination. Here, it's like so much inner value. It's all about, do you want it? Like, it's just for yourself. It's 
there's no way there's no NHL you're going for. Like maybe if you're chasing to be hired, you know, like everything I do right now, I feel like is like a portfolio because I, I do have dreams to maybe be hired by like a massive company and run their design or um, be be so booked up where I'm only doing custom work for you know Met Gala, NBA draft, NHL draft. You know, that's definitely like things I aspire to do is just be. Um, so busy with an awesome clientele that uh, I'm just sewing things for big events. You know, it's all things I hope for, but there, there isn't a destination. So I need to focus on the journey. And if I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now, that's the beauty of it. Uh, the beauty of creating, just putting something out to life that you thought in your mind. Um, that is the peak itself each time. So um, you got to remember, yeah, like don't be, don't look too far ahead because you're doing it right now like nothing's going to change I'm, I'm already making clothes and awesome people are wearing it like ron mclean you know um i just want to be able to sustain sustain myself with what i love to do that's the biggest goal you know i know what i'm what i'm doing is not going to make me a million dollars it's just but the value and the, like i talked about earlier doing work that's meaningful um that that makes me go 100 percent. you know I, it's tough to do 100 percent day in day out when you're not invested with what you're doing um so if you don't see me doing this that's just because uh i found a new passion a new driven uh new path new kind of path to be driven on and um and that's okay i've realized with hockey to fashion it, it's 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 okay that things change you know it's got a tattoo on my neck it says flux you know it, it's it changes okay it's life is the flow of water it's it, if you want to slow it down or speed it up it doesn't matter it's gonna you're gonna go with that pace so I, I think it's important to kind of respect that and, and flow with it. It is a, an absolutely incredible story, and we will continue to watch it with interest for sure. But really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day when you're a one-man show to uh, have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, off to the sewing machine now. But um, it's my pleasure, man. I, I really respect what you're doing, and it's been a pleasure this morning. Thank you. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.